Hello, I'm Ray with another podcast episode, this time all about security, as in not not so much internet and computer and iPad stuff, but home security, your house, your, your garage, your garden shed. You may have heard people say, in the old days, after the war, in the late 40s and 50s, we left our doors open. No one locked their door, we just left it open. No one locked their doors, we just left our doors open. No one got robbed, people didn't go in and steal things. I was talking to an old chap in a pub years ago, yeah, in a pub, well, where else? And he said to me, that gives people the wrong impression. That can give people the impression that you go out shopping, you go to the cinema or wherever you walk your dog, and you leave your front door wide open. He said that wasn't the case. It gives people the wrong idea when you hear older people say, oh yeah, we left all our doors open. That's not the way it was. Yes, they did leave doors open when they were in the house. So a neighbour, I mean, I remember as a kid, I remember our, our back door actually was a side door. There was a shared driveway. So you come out of your back door and you're facing next door's back door. I mean, it was called the back door, even though it was a side door. We rarely used the front door, actually, because you'd walk up the, the driveway to the back door, which led straight into the kitchen. In the summer, not in the winter, of course, in the summer, the back door was usually open. And we were either in the house, I mean, up near the parents, kids, either in the house or the garden. I remember being in the lounge with my parents and we heard a tap on the door, the back door, which was open. And someone said, hello, anybody in? And my mum shouted out, yeah, come through. We're in the lounge. Didn't know who it was. And whoever it was would just wander through. That wouldn't be a stranger. That would be a friend or a neighbour. So they wander into the lounge. Hello. Oh, hello, Fred. How are you doing? That's what is meant by the door being left open. People would wander in. Neighbours would wander in. And you know, perhaps, oh, have you got a cup of milk? I've run out of milk. You've got any flour, have you? I'm just doing a cake and I've run out of flour. All this came about immediately after the war, the Second World War, because as the old boy said to me, there was a, a sense of freedom at last. You could have your lights on at night in the evening, no curtains drawn, lights on, no blackout blinds or curtains, nothing like that. You could have a bonfire in the garden. You know, you couldn't do that before because it would light up the garden. And he said it was a, a kind of sense of freedom that you could leave your door open. That's, he reckons that's why people did it. If you've got any memories, if you're kind of my age or older and you've got any memories, do contact me and let me, let me know how things were for you in those days, in the sort of late 40s, 50s. I mean, I, I was born in 51, so I don't remember a great deal of the early 50s, obviously. But contact me, raiserants at protonmail.com. Raiserants at protonmail.com. Love to hear from you. I used to like listening to the older people in the pub. You know, if there was an old chap on his own, I would very often, even in my teens, I'd very often go and go and join them if he didn't mind. I said, do you mind if I sit down? And they'd say, no, no, that's all right. And you start chatting and they tell you things. I'm kind of 18 and they're perhaps 80. <laughs> And they start telling, oh, when I was a boy, this happened and about school days and the war time. It was interesting. I always found it fascinating. I remember a couple of people saying to me, yeah, what do you want to go and sit with him for, that old fool? And I'd say, well, that old fool, you know, he was a, a Spitfire pilot or you know, he was uh, this or that in the war. I remember one chap, he, he had his story. He always told the same story. I took out a, a German machine gun post single-handed he was always telling people that which was probably true but of course that he was proud of that single-handed he was a lovely chap he used to have some fantastic stories yes some of them were probably well, I would say made up <laughs> but uh, he told a good story and I liked him you might have a, a row of terraced houses and possibly you know, all the front doors were well not all of them but you'd have some front doors open and a neighbour would come out of one house and wander into the next house. They were neighbours, they were friends. It was a, a community, more of a community, I think, in those days. We're lucky, I think I've told you before, in the road where I am, our neighbours are brilliant. You know, we do have this community thing. We've got a, a WhatsApp group, a Facebook group. There really is a sense of community. Walk outside to the car 
and you might find three or four people. Hello, how you doing? All right? Yep. Yeah, hello. It's really nice. I do know that in some areas or in some streets, people don't know their neighbours. They've lived next to them for sort of 30 years, never spoken to them. I find that very odd. You know, I do like to meet people, get to know them, especially if you live in the same street, you're next door. It's nice to know your neighbours. And I think a lot of that sense of community has gone over the decades, which is a shame. So moving on to the present day with security. I mean, back then, people didn't have burglar alarms. You didn't have security lights that came on. There was nothing like that. You didn't have double glazing. A lot of the windows were the old wooden sash windows. Very easy to break into a place. In fact, there was no security, was there? There was just nothing. You might leave a light on at night, possibly in the hall or a landing light. I don't know. But there was no security. And back gardens, you could just clamber over a fence. People didn't have the six foot high fences back then. I remember all the fences were, well, three feet, three feet, about a metre high, if that. So you could just step over it. You literally step over the fence and you're in someone's garden. Whereas now there are six foot fences, there are security lights. There's so much in the way of security now that if you go anywhere near someone's house, things happen. Buzzers go off, alarms, security, you know, the street lights up with all the lights outside. It's quite funny. Some places you can walk along the street at night, walk past a house and you're still on the pavement. And lights come on and all sorts, there's a camera. <laughs> it's quite funny. I've joined this kind of group. It's not a neighbourhood watch. It's a local police thing. And they email me with, uh, you know, local burglaries, car thefts, sheds that have been broken into, a garage has been broken into. I get a kind of regular email. And they give advice on there. And one of, i never forget it, the advice that I read many years ago Keep people out of your back garden, okay? Make it really difficult for them to get into the back garden, which is, well, basic common sense, really, isn't it? But also, that was followed by, make it very difficult for people to get out of your back garden. Now, initially, you're thinking, well, hang on a minute, you're trying to keep them out. Why would you want to keep them in? And as the, the copper that wrote it, as he said, if they do get into your back garden, and they will if they really want to, if you've got even, say, an eight-foot-high fence, a ten-foot-high wall, they'll get in if they want to. Make it difficult to get out because what they do is they'll go to your shed. OK, you say, oh, no, no, I've got a padlock. Well, padlock with wood screws into the shed timber, all you need is a big screwdriver. Forget a crowbar, a big screwdriver, lever it off and you're in the shed. So they take out the brand new bike you've just bought. Now, how do they get it out of the garden? This was his point. How do you get that bike out of the garden? Over the fence, over the wall. What they like to do is walk up to the back gate with the bike, slide a couple of bolts back and open the gate. Easy peasy. They wheel your bike through the gate and off they go. Cycle down the street on what is now their new bike. So that's the point. Stop them from getting into the garden in the first place. But if they do, make it very difficult for them to get out. I mean, for example, a lawnmower. Some lawnmowers, petrol motor mowers, they're very expensive. Well, you can't lift that over a fence or over a wall. You are going to have to wheel it or carry it through the gate. So have a padlock on the inside of the gate, which I, uh, we do. You know, we've got a padlock on the inside. So make it difficult for them to get in, but make it... <laughs> just as difficult, if not more, to get out. Oh, one of the emails I had from the police, it said something about um, they don't want to be trapped. If they, yes, you can get into the garden, even if you have to have a ladder, you can get over a 12 foot wall <laughs> if you want to. But how do you get out if you are confronted? Now say the homeowner, the house owner comes out of his back door, he's heard a kerfuffle, he comes out, he's got a big stick <laughs> or whatever, a wooden spoon. The burglar, the would-be thief, he wants, he doesn't want confrontation. He wants to run. He wants to get out of it and just avoid the situation altogether and go and rob someone else's house or, or shed or garden. So he does need a quick way out, apart from you know, lugging your motor mower, which is very heavy, apart from lugging that over the wall. He wants to get over the wall quickly himself. You never know, the homeowner might be an ex-boxer or a, a wrestler. 
<laughs> the last thing the, the burglar wants is to meet a boxer. So they do need a quick way out, not only for lugging out the, the nicked gear, the, uh, the loot, but of course, if they're confronted, they want to be able to do a runner quickly and easily. Another thing, going back to the shed, you could have a big padlock with coach bolts. You know the coach bolts, they're big nuts and bolts, steel plate inside and all this on the shed door. Well, all they do is go to the other side of the shed door where the hinges are and just lever the hinges off. Just lever the wood screws out of the wood. So <laughs> really, shed doors, sheds aren't at all secure, no matter how many padlocks you have on them. What you need is something to deter the burglar before he gets to the shed. Notices, a good warning notice, a warning, CCTV in operation. Uh, warning, protected by alarm. Notices like that. There's a, a thing, isn't there, about a burglar alarm box on the front wall of the house. You look up and you think, oh look, they've got a burglar alarm. Now, that might be a dummy box. You can buy them on eBay or wherever, all these dummy boxes. And they've got LEDs that flash. And you don't know, is that a real one? Or is that a, a dummy? You don't know. The opportunist type thief, just wandering, a couple of lads wandering home from the pub. They might see a front window open. Oh, look, the front window's open on that house. You know, let's, uh, let's just nip into the lounge and have a look. If there's a burglar alarm box on the front of the house, they're going to think, well, I, I, if I were the would-be thief, I would think, oh, give that one a miss. Let's try one a bit further down the road. Give that house a miss, just in case that is a real alarm and it's going to go off. You know, we could be in trouble. So does it put people off? I think it does. The other way of looking at that is, if you've got a burglar alarm box on the front of your house, what have you got to hide? What's in there? What is there in your house that is worth nicking? <laughs> Probably nothing, but you never know. Also, the thing is, a professional thief, he isn't going to be wandering around your, your sort of average housing estate, is he? You break into the average house, the days of video recorders have gone, CD players, well, they're not worth anything, DVD player, they're, what are they, 30 quid in the supermarket, they're not worth nicking. So a professional thief isn't going to be in your street in the first place. Not if you live in a sort of average housing estate where there aren't loads of rich people. It's going to be your opportunist type lad that's wandering home, as I say, from the pub or just having a look around on a, a late summer evening, see if there are any windows open. Of course, back in the old days, go back to the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, as I said, there weren't video recorders, DVD players, Hi-fi gear, well, there wasn't really any hi-fi gear. I mean, there was, it was expensive. Leak, amplifiers, things like that. Uh, but they were expensive. Most people had a transistor radio in the 60s. But go back to the 50s, you might have a big old wireless. Well, that's not worth pinching. So what were they after in those days? Cash. Simple as that, it was cash. Everyone back then had cash. These days, you've got a credit card. Most people have credit cards. You don't have cash lying around the house. Well, I don't. I haven't got any cash. <laughs> no, do you know, honestly, I don't use cash. I never carry. I've got a fiver. I've got a five pound note that I keep in my mobile phone, you know, in the case of the phone, just in case I'm out somewhere and I, don't, I need something. I don't know what I might need, but I've got a fiver. And I think quite a few people do that. I've seen people open their phones to make a call or to answer the call. And there's a £5 note or a £10 note in there. But people don't carry cash around anymore, not like they used to. Of course, wages, salaries these days are paid straight into the bank. Go back to the 50s, everyone had the little brown, remember the little brown envelope with your wages in there? It was all cash. You get home on a Friday night, you, you know, you've done your week's work, you get home, you've got your wage packet, you might just toss it on the side, on the hall table, or if you go back here you know, into the kitchen, like our back door, our side door went into the kitchen, you might just chuck it on the side. That's what they were looking for. That's what the, the burglars were after, cash. And where did they find it? In a tea caddy on the shelf. You've probably seen in the old films, people kept money in tins on the shelf in the kitchen or, or something similar. A lot of people had a money box with slots in. I think I mentioned this before. 
telephone, rent, electricity, gas, the money box. So the would-be thief just sort of wanders in, has a look round. Oh, look, there's a money box, lifts that up and off, he's gone. So things were very different then. Things that were stolen. No one stole a bike. Everyone had a bike. Who's going to steal a bike? Now, these days, a friend of mine just bought an electric bike, £3,000. And that's nothing. You can spend a hell of a lot more than that on a bicycle these days. Now that is worth nicking. You take a bike, electric bike worth three grand down the local pub, you're going to get, what, four or five hundred for it easily from some punter in the pub. So back then, yes, it was cash they were looking for. There was one I remember as a child, well, as a child, what was I, 12? Yeah, I was a child. I remember I was coming home from a friend's house on my bike one summer evening. It was dusk. Okay, so well, I don't know what time it what was. It half nine, ten o'clock, dusk, summer evening. I was just cycling along, just sort of minding my own business, and I saw this chap run out of a a house out of the out of the front path with a paper carrier bag. They were paper then, weren't they? The carrier bags. Do you remember that? They weren't plastic like they are now. He ran out of this house, leapt onto his bike, which was outside, and cycled off down the road. Within seconds another chap ran out of the the driveway the, the path onto the pavement shouting oi come back come back so i was just by then i'd reached the house and i said to this chap what happened he said he's he's nicked my vegetables he's been in my garden and nicked my vegetables so i said oh all right i'll follow him so i did i kept a, a good distance but i followed this chap he was cycling off ahead of course at 12 years old i was uh Pretty, you know, I was young, I was fit. I could race along on my bike so I could keep up with him. And he went only a few streets away. He got off his bike, wheeled it up a path and went into this front. He had a key. It was obviously his house. So I thought, well, this is great. I've, I've found out where he lives. You know, I've, I've nabbed the thief. Well, not quite nabbed. And then, as luck would have it, as happened a lot in the old days, a copper cycled along on his bike. You were always seeing coppers on their bikes and they were quite friendly. Well, unless you're up to no good on a building site at 12 years old, like I often was. And uh, then the copper would cuff you around the head. He'd give you a box your ears and whatever, give you a smack around the head, which they were allowed to do then, of course. You can't do that now because they get taken to court and they get a five-year prison sentence for assault. <laughs> anyway, this copper said, you're all right, lad. And I said, the thief's just gone in that house. Of course, he said, you what thief? I'm all excited. He's gone in that house. He nicked vegetables from some bloke's place. Anyway, I told the, the copper the story. And the copper said, right, hang on a minute. He went and knocked on the front door. And he knew the chap. And I heard them talking. The copper said, I'll never forget. The copper said, this time you've done it, Jack. We've got you red-handed. Where's the vegetables? And apparently, you know, the copper was saying, we've warned you again and again about this. Apparently, he was well known to the police for sneaking around people's gardens late evening and nicking their vegetables. Because in those days, a lot of people, especially after the war in the 50s, a lot of people grew their own vegetables, runner beans, potatoes, carrots. They grew everything, lettuce, you know, sprouts in the winter, onions, leeks, they just grew absolutely everything. So what this chap used to do with, with his paper carrier bag, just sneak down someone's path round the back of the house, pull all the veg up and fill up his carrier bag and cycle home with it. So <laughs> he actually got nicked and that was, I did that. I felt quite proud. I remember going to school and telling the kids the story of what had happened. And the chap that, uh, the, the aggrieved, the one that had been robbed, because I'd led the copper back there eventually, because I didn't know what number it was, but I knew the house. Uh, he was really nice, and he gave me a pound, a pound note, which was a lot of money. He said, thanks, lad, and gave me a pound note. So, you know, that was absolutely brilliant. So, yes, there were burglaries and thefts and crime, obviously, going on back in those days, but a very different, in a different way. I don't think garden sheds were robbed, because no one had anything worth nicking. As I say, you might keep a bicycle in the shed, but no one wants to steal a bike. There's no point. They're not worth anything. Everyone had a bike. It's like school. At my school, there were 600 kids. And I'd say, 
oh, what, 90% of them cycled to school. Obviously, some live very locally, but I'd say a, a rough guess, 90% of them cycled to school. That is a lot of bikes. No one was going to pinch a bike. And if a kid had a brand new bike that he'd just got for his birthday or whatever, he wouldn't ride that to school anyway. He'd have an old bike for school. I remember having an old track bike that I built this, you know, with a fixed wheel. I used to take that to school, just chuck it in the bike shed. Didn't bother to lock it up. No one's going to pinch it. It's not worth anything. Same with lawn mowers. There weren't electric mowers, expensive mowers. I mean, there were motor mowers, but your average house, they didn't have a motor mower. The lawn wasn't big enough for that. So lawn mowers weren't really worth nicking either. Garden tools, what else? There was no garden furniture, not like there is now. You know, all this expensive stuff you have out on the patio, there wasn't that. You had a deck chair. <laughs> that was it, those old deck chairs. They weren't worth stealing. So there weren't the amount of robberies that there are now. I don't remember people getting mugged. I suppose people did get mugged, but it would, again, no mobile phone, nothing like that, no credit card. It would only, only be for cash. And obviously everyone carried, well, I say everyone, most people carried cash with them. They're going shopping or they've come back from the shops. They've got cash. So I suppose there were muggings, but nothing like there, there is today. I went to Cyprus on holiday many, many years ago. And the, the chap we were staying at, he owned this sort of complex. It was only a swimming pool, a bar and a few rooms. It wasn't a big affair. And we stayed there. He's a lovely chap. And one evening we'd finished, it was about midnight, we'd finished, we'd had our meal, we'd had a couple of drinks at the bar with him. He said, I'll leave you here, I'm going up upstairs you know, to his room, I'm going up to my apartment now, I'll see you in the morning. We were still sitting at the bar. And I said, what about locking up? And he said, oh, I don't lock up, I leave it open. And I said, what, all, all the, uh, there's all the drinks? I said, all these drinks? You're just leaving it all open with us here? I, I couldn't believe it. And he said, no one steals anything around here. He said, it's just not done. He said, if anyone does steal anything, he said, one kid did many years ago, stole a television. And the, the whole town, the whole village or whatever, I think it must have been a town. Where was it? Paphos, somewhere near Paphos. He said, everyone turned against him, pointed at him in the street. Oh, look, there's that thief. Look, there he is. That's the thief. He said, the whole community turned against him. Once word got round that he'd stolen a TV. And he said, people don't steal anything. He said, I'll leave you here. He said, if you want another beer, help yourself and you can pay me for it tomorrow when I'm back down in the bar. Unbelievable. It really was unbelievable. And he wasn't joking. There were fruit machines there. He switched them off, of course, before he went up. But he left it like all the swimming pool lights were on because the bar was by the pool. And it was unbelievable. I just couldn't comprehend that at all imagine leaving a pub you know in the UK leaving the pub open the doors are open the lights are on landlord says okay night chaps I'm off to bed see you tomorrow and he just goes upstairs to where he lives and leaves the pub open I mean when he comes down in the morning it'd be empty there'd be no drinks the all the spirits would have gone that everything would have been nicked I mean, <laughs> especially things like fruit machines they'd have been robbed Good grief. It was absolutely unbelievable. And I remember thinking, I, I've never forgotten that. Never, ever forgotten that. It was years ago. And I've always, after that, I've always thought, imagine if everywhere was like that. You know, imagine if you could leave your keys in your car outside your house, uh, windows open in the summer, leave your keys in the car, and you could leave it there for a week. No one would take it. No one would steal the car radio from it or, or the car itself. Would that be fantastic? You know, you could leave anything anywhere and it wouldn't be stolen. There we are. I'd, at first, I didn't believe the chap, but uh, after about half an hour, he didn't come back. And we went up to bed and we were down very early the next day and he wasn't down and the bar was still all open. So it was true. Wouldn't it be lovely if the world was like that? No one thieving anything or mugging people or killing each other. It'd be a fantastic place to live. I remember at school... There was some child, he was caught in the end, he was stealing people's dinner money. You know, you'd take your half a crown for your, your dinner for the week. And a lot of kids, they'd leave it in their desk until registration or you know when the dinner money was taken 
or they'd have it in a blazer pocket and they'd hang their blazer up in the changing room. And this child was going around nicking all the half crown. Do you remember half crown? Two and sixpence it was. Two and sixpence, goodness me. What's that in new money? I've no idea. New money, listen to me. New money, it's been new money since 1971. How can it be new in 2000 and, where, where are we? 22. Forget what year it is, let alone what day it is. 2022. Yeah, this chap, he was going around stealing dinner money from people's blazers and desks. I don't know why he did it or what happened. I, th- I think, the yeah, the parents were involved, obviously. I don't think they got the police involved, though. But another friend of mine, he had a, a freezer, you know, your, your freezer where you keep all your frozen meat and peas and ice cream and stuff like that. He had a big chest freezer in his garage and someone got into the back garden through the gate. They got over the gate, unbolted it because, you know, just slid the bolts back, no padlock, wandered into the side door of his garage, which was open, and they obviously had some bags or something with them. They emptied his freezer. They took every last single item from his freezer and just wandered off with it because he came down. He was telling me he came down one morning and he noticed the back gate was open. He went down and thought, you know, what's happened here? The freezer lid, the chest freezer lid was open and it was empty. So, <laughs> so after that, he, uh, he put a padlock on the back gate. He padlocked the garage side door and he even chained. He said he had a chain on the freezer with a big padlock. Again, that was probably someone that knew, probably a local person, that had wandered in there before, seen the freezer and thought, oh, OK, I'll bring some bags and empty that one night. Another chap I knew had a greenhouse full of tomato plants. He was a really old boy and he, he grew all these tomatoes and he sold them to local shops. He came out one morning to order his plants. There wasn't a tomato in sight. Quite a big greenhouse. It must have been... 12 feet, at least 12 foot square, if not more. Absolutely full of tomatoes. The whole lot had gone. Every single tomato had gone. I mean, I'm laughing. He wasn't at the time. He did laugh later. That was a neighbour of mine. That's going back decades. So back in the 50s, people stole vegetables and wage packets. Televisions in the 1960s and 70s, they weren't stolen, not from people's houses, because the majority were rented. Most people rented their tellies back then. Also, they were the size of a rabbit hutch, you know, the big wooden box. You can't start lugging that out through a, a lounge window because <laughs> they were huge, heavy things. And as I say, they were rented anyway. They were just old tellies. They weren't new. I do remember on the TV people being told, if you've got a video recorder, because everyone, you know, they all wanted video recorders, didn't they? They loved it. They could actually record TV programmes. Wow. And they weren't cheap. They were expensive bits of kit initially. And they were warning people. I remember on telly they were warning people. If you've got a video recorder, put something in front of it. Because the little light on the front that tells you the time, you know, the little LED display, would-be thieves would wander up to your lounge window and have a look through. Oh, look, they got a video recorder. They could see the light even in the dark. And they break in and steal it. So I remember what we did with ours every night before we went to bed, we put a, a cushion in front of it so you couldn't see it. But uh, as I said, you know, now people don't, people don't want to nick DVDs. They're not worth anything. I remember hearing about transistor radios being stolen from just uh, inside your know, kitchen, kitchen windowsill, wherever, or even out in the garden. Uh, I remember a neighbour of ours had a transistor radio stolen. He was doing his garden and he had the radio up by the house. He was digging away whatever he was doing, planting potatoes or whatever. And he was listening to the radio and suddenly the radio went off. And by the time he sort of looked up, what's happened to the radio? Is the battery gone? The radio wasn't there. (laughs) And he was, I suppose it took him a few minutes to kind of register, like, well, hang on, it was there. I was just listening to it. Someone had taken it. (laughs) Someone had just wandered down his pathway, seen the the radio there and thought, oh, I'll have that. (laughs) I mean, it's not funny, but uh, of course, shops in, I remember shops, TV and radio shops in the 60s and 70s, they were robbed. I mean, I don't know whether they had burglar alarms or not, but uh, it was so easy, it seems, back then, just to break into a shop, go around the back, there'd be a back entrance or a window. And I remember TV shops, 
were regularly robbed. There was one, in fact. In the end, the insurance company said to the chap that owned it, they said, look, we keep paying out. You keep getting robbed. We're not going to insure you anymore unless you do something with you know, security-wise. So he, he didn't have insurance after that. And he kept getting robbed. I don't know quite what the story was. I only knew him vaguely. And in the end, he closed the shop. I remember him saying, you know, there's no point. You know, I keep getting robbed. What's the point? He did all the padlocks and stuff. I, I often used to wonder when I was a child, you'd hear about bank robberies on the news. And I used to think, how on earth do people rob a bank? They obviously had burglar alarms. They must have had state-of-the-art alarms, even back then, cutting-edge technology. How on earth could you get into a bank? You know, the, the big doors on the front, the vault, and all this business, the, the huge safe, the burglar alarms. How on earth did they do it? But they did, of course. I suppose some were inside jobs, but banks were robbed. Very sad when I was about, what, 12 years old. Our local shops, there was a, a branch of a bank there that was robbed. And sadly, the, the bank manager, it was when the bank was open, they'd gone in there, the, the robbers, and they'd gone in with a sawn-off shotgun and they killed the bank manager. They shot him. Oh, that was dreadful. That was on the national news and everything. And that was only, well, my local shops, quarter of a mile from where I lived. I remember that vividly. And I remember thinking then, you know, how awful, how awful. You just go to work. That poor chap went to work, said goodbye to his wife and kids, went to work, never to come home again. Another thing that comes to mind is uh, insurance claims, fiddles. I remember a friend of mine, his kitchen ceiling was in a right state. Now, this isn't robbery. Well, I suppose it is robbery, really. He needed a new kitchen ceiling. It was, it was dreadful. So what he did, he went, <laughs> he went upstairs to the bathroom, which was above the kitchen, and he just loosened one of the connections on a pipe. And, of course, it started leaking, and eventually it dripped through to the kitchen ceiling. And he called the insurance company. They sent the assessor round or whatever he is. You know, they sent the chap round to have a look. And the chap said, oh, yeah, you're going to have to have a new ceiling there and uh, your bathroom floor. He said, that's not good. We'll have to sort that out. And various other, oh, I think it dripped down the wall. And he had a whole lot done on the insurance. I remember someone saying, well, insurance companies are there to be robbed. That's what they're for. They're there to be robbed. <laughs> I don't think that's actually the case, but uh, he got away with it, which is a bit naughty because his premium did go up, but he had... And this was a while ago, of course, but you know, hundreds of pounds worth of work carried out and it didn't cost him a penny. Now, here's the thing. I must stop saying that. I keep saying that because my son keeps saying it. Now I say it. I've said it to you several times in the past, haven't I? And now I'm saying, here's the thing. Now I've said that. I don't know what the thing. <laughs> oh, dear, what is the thing? I was going to say that. That uh, brings into question. Now I forget what it was. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Anyway, how are you doing? What's the weather like where you are? I'm looking out of the window here. Absolute clear blue sky again. Fantastically clear blue sky. Cold. We've had some frost. Stone the crows. It was cold the other night. Was it? Not last night. The night before. Good grief. Went down to... I say good grief. Went down to minus three. Up in Scotland. Well, in other places in the world, of course. Minus three is warm. You know, that's a heat wave. <laughs> well, not quite a heat wave. Did I tell you our tortoise has woken up? He's supposed to be hibernating and he's woken up. And he's looking round. Oh, hello. Where's my breakfast? Is it spring? It must be spring. So we've had this all a bit of a palaver. You can't put him back into hibernation because they don't like that. That can kill them. If you, you know, forcefully hibernate them in the cold. So we've had to give him a warm bath twice a day, give him some food, put his heat lamp on, and he now thinks it's springtime. Of course, he can't go in the garden because it's cold. The bird baths this morning out there were full of ice. So we can't just say, OK, if you think it's spring, then off you go. You go and sit on, that, on the grass out there, which is rock hard with frost. <laughs> Poor little man. Did I tell you we call him Gary after that TV advert? You know, the is it B&Q or something? the TV advert where they're in the garden in the spring and then the tortoise comes leaping across the lawn and the lady says, oh, look, here comes Gary. After we saw that, we thought, well, that's it. We've got to call him Gary. 
The rabbits are looking forward to the spring with this sunshine. I went out a little while ago. They're out there poking around. They're funny because on the frost, the lawn is all frost, as I said, but the sun's out. So they're sort of settling on the lawn in the sun and then realise that their feet uh, and all their kind of undercarriage is cold because it's on the frost and they keep hopping about. It's strange to watch them. Same thing happens when it's raining. They'll be munching away on the grass. They make good lawnmowers. Yeah, it doesn't cost, we haven't got a lawnmower. We don't have a lawnmower anymore. It doesn't cost us a penny. Well, I say that. Grief, I say, it doesn't cost us a penny to keep the rabbits. The food they have, the underfloor, electric heating in their huge brick-built hutch, the vet's bills, couple of injections. Oh, yeah, one injection each for the two bunnies. How much is that? Oh, it's 160 quid, please. What? Good grief. So, anyway, they mow the lawn in exchange, you know, for, for living here. That's their rent. They mow the lawn. But it's funny if it starts raining. The other day it started lashing with rain and they carried on eating out on the lawn. They looked at each other a couple of times as if to say, what's that? Can you feel something on your back? And they carried on eating again. Then they hopped a little bit and sort of shook themselves a bit, carried on eating. And eventually, I think they sort of twigged what was going on. And they both raced inside to their brick-built mansion and uh, hid in there until the rain had stopped. They're quite amusing, actually. They're not pets. They're not pets. I don't like having things like rabbits as pets. They're rescue rabbits. We get them from the RSPCA. They're ones that have been neglected or badly treated. In fact, one of them, Woody, is called Woody. That's his name. The RSPCA gave him. Someone obviously didn't want him anymore. And they dumped him in the local woods. I don't know where, but in the woods. And luckily someone found him and took him to the RSPCA. And he was very nervous for oh, six months, a year. He's settled down now. We've had him several years. But uh, fancy doing that with a domestic type rabbit, dumping him in the local woods because you don't want him anymore. And he would die because they can't fend for themselves. Well, he could eat grass. But uh, what a dreadful thing to do. I saw something on Twitter the other day. Someone had just dumped a dog, but not only dumped it, they chained it to a fence in the middle of nowhere where it would just starve and die. Luckily, someone found it. But uh, aren't, I don't know, aren't some people awful? The thing is, they do. Eye for an eye, that's what I say. Find out who did it, chain them to a fence, leave them there for a few years and see, <laughs> see how they get on. Not very well, I would imagine. I know I've said this before and it's probably a little bit controversial, but uh, I often think that the day will come when the human race will be wiped out. We'll probably wipe ourselves out with something or other, goodness knows what. And the whole planet will be given back to the, the animals, the birds, the bees, all the animals. Imagine that. The forests will grow. I've said all this before, haven't I? The forests, uh, all the woods will grow. The concrete towns will crumble. Everything will eventually decay back into the ground because that's where everything came from, isn't it? Every single thing, your computer, your iPhone, every part of it has come out of the ground originally. So imagine that. Imagine this world where it's just the animals. Fantastic. I don't know. The animals would be, they'd be celebrating. They wouldn't be getting shot anymore. <laughs> they wouldn't be getting chained to fences and dumped. Uh, rabbits wouldn't, <laughs> mind you, a lot of them would die, of course, if we suddenly disappeared and we're not here to look after them. A lot of them, or we're all domestic Pets would die, wouldn't they? So, yeah, probably not a good thing. But it's just a thought, you know, imagine the planet without human beings. That would be the end of the wars, wouldn't it? And battles and killings and murders and thieving. <laughs> oh, dear, there we are. You never know. One day, none of us will be here to see that, of course. So uh, it probably won't happen. Because by then, by the time we leave this planet, whether we wipe ourselves out or whatever, we'll probably move to another planet. Imagine that. Imagine everyone leaving the Earth because we've stripped it bare of all resources and we go and live somewhere else, some other planet somewhere else. Well, you couldn't take billions of people. It would be like Noah's Ark, wouldn't it? Yeah, imagine that, a spaceship, Noah's Ark. So there'd be a couple of humans or a few humans and then a couple of elephants, a couple of lions, tigers, Tortoises, of course. Oh, rabbits. Don't forget the rabbits. And then you all go off in your 
they could call the ship, couldn't they? Noah's Ark. The spaceship, that's that's perfect name for it, Noah's Ark. And it would take off and go to another planet. Now I am talking, what's that word beginning with B? Oh yeah, rubbish, that's it. Going back to security, I've just bought a couple of, they're like PIR sensors, you know, detect they detect movement, but they don't turn lights on. What they do is you've got a, a couple of these outside, one out the front, one out of the back, and you've got a like a, a thing inside that you plug in. And if there's any movement in our front driveway, a siren goes. You can you know, change the noises you want, change the sounds. And if anyone's out the back, there's another sound. It kind of dee do dee do it like that. So if anyone's in our back garden, yeah, the patio is covered by the burglar alarm. So is the shed, uh, the back gate. Everything's covered with the burglar alarm. But if someone happens to wander into the garden, say the middle of the garden, I mean, the alarm doesn't go off there, then this thing sets off. And same with the front. It's very useful. Someone walks up to our front door before they ring the bell. Our thing inside is going. So we know someone is approaching the house at the front of the house. Someone's approaching, probably only the postman. So yeah, we won't lean out of the window with a machine gun and take him out. <laughs> But if it's someone selling double glazing or something, you know, we can take them out before they even get to the front door. <laughs> I was talking to my son about that. We were saying, you know, where, where do you end security-wise? You can have a pit with uh, you know, lions in it. You can have boiling oil and stuff. You can have a machine gun post down the garden. <laughs> uh, I think that's going a little bit too far. But even at night, if... Uh, the thing is with cameras... A camera is fine. A lot of people, I had cameras. I've still got one or two. The thing is with cameras outside your property, you look at the video and you see it's black and white because it's night, so it's night vision, black and white. You see one or two lads in hoodies with a scarf or a mask over their face. You can't see who they are. You can't, you know, you can't identify them at all. And also, unless there's some sort of audio type alarm, then you don't know that anyone's been in your in your back garden on the camera until you look at the video the next day. So you've got to have some kind of audio type alert. So this is why I bought these two things. They don't have cameras with them. They simply set off the alarm in the house. So now, for example, I'm talking to you in my sophisticated recording studio. <laughs> and suddenly I might hear... So I know it's the bailiff come round for the furniture and I can hide. Uh, yes, well, perhaps not the bailiff. <laughs> anyway, there we are. So it's quite a good idea that. Uh, the whole lot was, what, £30? You get the indoor thing and the two sensors for outside. They're very well built, actually. They're very well put together. Chinese, of course. I mean, everything's Chinese. But also they're not on the internet. Now, this is the th here's the thing. There we are. Here's the thing. Cameras are connected to the internet normally and you have to have an account. You know, you've got to sign up to, you know, my camera dot whatever. And then you look at your, your video on the on the screen. You can look at it on your phone. And of course, it's via the internet and via some server somewhere. And of course, that can be hacked. Whereas these things I've got, they are purely wireless. They're not connected to the internet at all. I only fitted them up yesterday. And they proved to be really useful. So if I hear the when one of them go off, I know which is which. If it's the sort of woo-woo-woo one, that's the front. All I've got to do is look out of the front window and see who it is. And even if it's at night, say it's three o'clock in the morning, and I hear this going off, I just leap out of bed, grab the machine gun. No, <laughs> grab a torch, better not mention the machine gun. Look out of the front window upstairs here, and if, if someone's hovering about, I could open the window and say, what do you want? I could shine my torch onto them and they'll do a runner. Either that or they'll break in and come and sort me out. Really useful bit of kit. Well, I think so for £30 anyway. So I suppose to sum up security these days, it's the deterrent, isn't it? Labels, your know, stickers, burger alarm, CCTV installed you're on camera, we've got a sticker in the porch, it says smile, you're on camera. And they are, there is a camera there. You can't see it, well you can if you look hard enough, but it's not like staring you in the face. I think that's the other thing. 
you don't have the cameras too low where people can just cover them up or grab them and whatever. But going back to the 50s, I don't know. Yeah, of course, there were robberies. There were money stolen, wage packets stolen. I suppose cars were stolen. Very easy to steal a car back then. You could hotwire the ignition. You could open the bonnet. I mean, a lot of cars, you could just open the bonnet from outside, not inside. Or the hood. Sorry, the hood, as it's called in the US. Is it right to say US? Do Americans like the term, you know, is it USA or America or US? I don't know. Is it right to say that? I get so worried these days. Well, actually, I don't. No, I don't get worried about being politically correct. My worry is that I am being politically correct. I don't want to be. I do the opposite deliberately, as I've said before. (laughs) But it's a funny old thing, isn't it? All this correctness. In the old days, we were called Brits or uh, what we, limeys. Were we limeys? The Australians are Aussies. The Americans are Yanks. All this was sort of acceptable. It was fine. Whereas now, some countries, I'm not going to mention anything, but some, oh, you can't say that. Good grief. There's still this ongoing thing about what is it pronouns I won't go into that because it's just so well it's not only boring I don't know it's confusing I've said before I just get totally confused I wonder I'm beginning to wonder what I am am I he her she it (laughs) I know what some people would oh dear no I won't mention that anyway let's have another cup of tea there we are decent cup of tea Yorkshire tea I like because it's strong I don't know why they call it Yorkshire tea because They don't grow tea in Yorkshire. In fact, they don't grow tea in the UK at all. Still, never mind. It's nice and strong. Going back again then, what security was there in the 50s? Apart from padlocking your shed or your back gate or your garage door, that was about it. As I said, no security lights, no cameras, obviously. I did build a burglar alarm once, you know, being into electronics as a, what was I, 12, 13, 14, I built a burglar alarm because I had a shed as a workshop. Well, I say a workshop, you know, it was my shortwave listening kind of place where I had my radio and other bits and pieces. And I used to listen around shortwave bands. And one evening, yeah, actually, no, I must have been, yeah, about 15, 14, 15, one summer evening, I'd built this burglar alarm and all it was was a switch on the, the shed door. And it, if you opened the shed door, it rang a bell in the house. So, you yeah, know, pretty basic. And one evening I'd gone in to get a cup of tea or whatever it was, gone into the house. I'd shut the shed door and I'd switched the alarm on. I always switched it on when I left the shed. And I was in the house and the bell went. And I thought, hello, you know, hello, someone's robbing my, my workshop. So I raced out there. It was a friend of mine and he was standing there with the door open saying, oh, sorry, what have I done? What have I done? I said, it's all right. It's the burglar alarm. He just popped round to see me, looked round the back, obviously saw the light on in the shed and thought, oh, you know, he's in the shed. So he opened the door and of course the, the bell went off. I also made an alarm at my first house. I don't know why I did that. Wires everywhere. That was the trouble before wireless stuff. They had to be hardwired. So the back door, the front door, the windows, there's wires to everything. And it it was a bit of a mess. And to be honest, it wasn't worth it. Because where I lived, no one would rob those houses anyway. They were first-time buyers' houses. No one had any money or furniture. <laughs> it was as much people could do in that road uh, you know, to pay the mortgage and the rest of the bills, let alone have stuff in the house that's worth pinching. But they're good days. So, yeah, our, we've got the burglar alarm now. We've got sensors everywhere. We've got the new devices that are set up. So I'm quite happy with it all. It's not, I don't think we're ever going to get robbed, hopefully not. But it's more peace of mind. You know, when we go to bed at night, the alarm's on. And it's just in case, you never know, someone may wander around. They might start poking around the car, which is covered by one of the sensors. Might start poking around the back down near by the back garden or something like that and then we will know it's, it's more peace of mind and try to catch people I wouldn't go and confront anyone anyway coming to the end of the episode now just an email from Harry hello Harry how are you glad you like the podcast episodes Harry said uh, that he'd listened to the midweek message about security and he just wanted to say that 
electric fences. You have to be careful because there was a chap. I remember this, Harry. I do remember a chap. Was it in his garden? Um, Harry says here it was uh, his vegetable patch. I'm not sure what it was exactly, but he wired up an electric fence around parts of the garden because, as Harry says, uh, people kept nicking his vegetables. They kept digging them up. Now, this was decades ago, so I can't... I remember it on the news. And what this chap did, his electric fence was actually the mains, you know, the, the house electricity. He'd run a wire out, run it around his uh, vegetable thing, he had sort of wire netting around it, and it was actually connected to the mains. And this vegetable thief went out there one night to nick some more carrots or whatever, touched the wire and it killed him. It was the mains electricity, it killed him. And Harry's just said, you know, just warn people not to do silly things like that. There was another one I heard about, a chap, a shop, again, this is decades ago, he had a shop and a couple of times he'd been broken into. There was a back window that he'd broken into there and he put a metal grid up and he connected that to the mains, you know, the house or the shop electricity, you know, like 230 volts. And I believe that killed someone who was trying to break in. He got done for that. So, you know, I wouldn't put up electric fences if I were you. You know, stick to ordinary, I don't know, deterrents, as I said before deterrent is far better than you don't want to catch someone you don't want to make it so allow someone to get into your shed then once they're in there the door automatically closes electronic bolts everywhere and you know the chap can't get out because he's liable to go mad and I don't know try and smash his way out it's better to get it so they don't go in the shed in the first place if you see what I mean isn't that illegal? I don't think you're allowed to lay traps for people, are you? Like you, you set your car up, so you leave it unlocked. Someone gets in it to steal the radio or whatever's in there. As soon as they get in it, all the locks go and they're trapped. And I don't think you're allowed to entrap people like that. I'm not too sure. That'd be interesting to find out. No doubt someone will email me whether that's correct or not. Okay, Ray's rant. I've still got a bit of a sore, <clears throat> bit of a sore throat. I don't know what that is all about. We need the summer. We've got the spring on the way. That blue sky, by the way, is gone. Completely overcast now. Ray's rants at protonmail.com. Ray's rants at protonmail.com. Email me and say hello or whatever. <laughs> I try to answer all emails. So I think on that note, I'll say goodbye to you and enjoy my cup of tea. Thanks for listening as always. It, uh, I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast episodes as much as I enjoy recording them. It's great fun. Take care. See you next time. Bye-bye for now.